Hello fellow geeks, this is Bob popping in before the podcast starts with a short message to note why the audio sounds awful in just a minute when the actual podcast starts. Um, I am an idiot and I forgot to change over the uh, the input to the Yeti microphone instead of the computers. Everything sounds very far away and very bad. So I do apologize about that. Please uh, sit through the episode anyway because we love you and you love us, right? Here we talk about anthology films. We just kind of jump into it. Uh, Thank you for listening and uh, of course always subscribe and get all your friends to as well because your friends love you and they they want to do what you tell them to do. So tell them to subscribe to our podcast and give us a listen. Thanks again and enjoy the episode. met this six-year-old child with this blank, pale, emotionless face and the blackest eyes. Like a doll's eyes. I love this town! Hello, city! Prepare for one of those, like, this is too many cases we get over. Mm-hmm. We're about to show a Bruno McKay movie called Rats and I'm a Terrible. What an idea! <laughs> Well, the, the, and the uh, amicus yeah. one, uh, yeah, Rap Richardson brought a lot of, you know, blood and toniness to it. <laughs> I, like, I like that that's now a verb. I, you know, I'm honored. Tony. I am honored. Instead of Tony being Rap Richardson, the things. If I were ever to write an anthology, I would have Tony be the wraparound. <laughs> it's going to wrap around Tony. <laughs> no! <laughs> Well, anyway, uh, welcome to the next episode of City of Geek Podcast. And they were talking about, as that little bit beginning started there, anthology films. I'm Bob. I'm Cody. I'm Kim. And I am Tony. (laughs) Hi. Yeah, that's that's Tony. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and today we're we're talking about the uh, one of the, yeah, the Hallmark, not going to say Hallmarks, but uh, something that... Appears more in the horror genre than the a lot show. of other things. A staple of the genre. Yeah, of the uh, is the anthology film. Uh, uh, like yeah, they're one dissenter and three people love. <laughs> so we would like to inform you that Kim has now been removed from the search. <laughs> no, I will take can. my tootsie roll with me. Oh no! Well, then we record at your house. We can't fly right now. <laughs> <laughs> but um. I don't dislike all anthologies. That's that I should. One of my favorite films of all time is anthology film. Yeah, and like, uh, I wanted to, before you talk about any particular titles, like in depth in any way, I wanted to talk about the anthology on the whole. But before we get there, I do want to just do some, you know, the housekeeping business. Um, to note that, to check out Kim's other podcast, A Ghost Stories. A Ghost Stories, uh, with Gabby. We're on what? They're on to five. Uh, we just released episode five, I believe, yes. And we just recorded episode six, which will be about Linda Hazard. And we just released our episode on the Walker Ames house in Fort Campbell, Washington. And it's super cool, and uh, we get a little silly. Yeah, uh, shocking to learn. Kim gets silly on the podcast. What? what? Really? I wasn't no. even drunk either. I just got silly. But come check that out, uh, and then go come up to Seattle and go to the Seattle, take a tour there, vote for us at USA Today's yes. Top 10. Uh, last year, number two rated uh, tour in the country when it comes to paranormal tours. And right now we're, we're five. We're five? Yeah, yeah. We so let's head back up. Uh, so that find that link at, at those Facebook groups. Mm-hmm. And uh, we are well into 100 days of horror. Yes, we Several of us watched anthologies because we were doing this podcast. <laughs> I started it. And I, when I was Vault of Horror, because I was on a British horror kick after our last podcast. You had a British horror kick? Cody. 
I am. Italy is bad for heating on it. And next thing I know, I'm, I've got you know a needle deep in my arm of amicus film. <laughs> Which we'll definitely will get to in uh, a few I minutes. I had Russians earlier saying them. But I know that that you know Kim Cody and I are at or ahead for 100 Days of Horror. Tony is <laughs> still <laughs> three years ago. I think I have three entries on the on the website for you. Like, yeah, I'm updating at scv.com. What everyone do on the Facebook is 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 writing. And I'm slowly getting caught up on my uh, YouTube reviews. Uh, and then also want to note that oh, sorry. Uh, I did want to note that um, we did have uh, if we again don't have Jennifer Lovely on. We have on her the last two times, and but she'll be on next. We're recording next week for Jennifer to talk about folk horror in midsummer. Uh, now that it's actually leaving theaters, <laughs> uh, but it should be on DVD by October, so we can talk about that. But we're not talk about it for next time, uh, so look forward to that uh, for the next entry. So, anthology horror, um, or do we're anthology general? Can you talk about anything not horror in this case? Uh, well, the anthology I think has been a staple of genre cinema. Basically, since the silent film Waxworks mm -hmm. in 1922, I the think it was officially the first anthology film. Yeah, um, it's not all horror. It's got one uh, Jack the Ripper vignette, and the rest is um, adventure. 24. And, uh, thank you, 24. Um, but sure. uh, from there, uh, I think the next big one is Dead of uh, Night. Dead of Night, yeah. 1946, which is on my list as it happens. Didn't you know? Uh, what do you think brings horror more into anthologies and other things? Of course, there are non-horror anthologies that are, that are well-known, but when you think anthology films, usually people jump to horror until you remind them that stuff like Love Actually, or <laughs> which is horrific in this own way. No, uh, or like Harris, I Love You. Yeah, yeah. Or Crash. Yeah, fuck Crash. I hate you. that movie so much. Uh, well, I think that, everyone does. Well, that and Love oh, Actually, I'll, I'll take them both away from my consciousness if I could. I, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind wiped those motherfuckers from my head. <laughs> Just FYI. Um, actually, I think one of, the, one of the, the main appeals of horror in an anthology setting is that uh, horror is a very direct and visceral genre. And theoretically, of all of the varieties and disciplines of film that you can present, horror seems like it's probably maybe the best tailored for uh, a uh, short, quick rabbit punch of a story, and that's why I think it's endured as a as a, a very viable and fairly evergreen subgenre. It, it doesn't seem to ever die. Yeah, it seems. You know, sorry, I didn't mean to cut off. Um, I think it really works well, in like the little, like you were saying, kind of little bite-sized pieces. That there are just some horror concepts that work really, really well and just can't be stretched out to nine minutes. Absolutely. So you know, you gather a bunch of those. You know, and you know when. Amicus would do it. They would just pull a bunch from the other the EC comics. Mm -hmm. You know, it's something that you know you probably couldn't stretch out, but if you put five twenty minute segments in there plus a wraparound, you got a movie. People will yep. go see it, and it gives variety. If somebody doesn't like one story, well then the next story is coming right around the corner. I hope it's good. I hope it's good. <laughs> well, I hope it's good, but you know. Well, I started a um, letterboxed list of horror anthologies actually for this nice. occasion. Uh, called uh, Life is a Box of Very Dark Chocolates, because <laughs> you never know what you get. And I would say that most horror movies are little Whitman sampler boxes of terror. So, yeah, I, I've got about, I think, 34 of them on the list. Nice. 
Yeah, that's quickly made a list before we start this. And they have about a number of theories, I think. Just, yeah. just go top of my head and then quick look. I think like 25 or 30. Yeah. But I put series and it looks like individuals because there are a surprising amount of anthology series. Yeah. yeah. A lot of anthology series. Because you could just put a bunch together and then call so, it. And some of them could be just like TV series with different episodes, different things like Twilight Zone. Or you could have, you know, something like prior, you know, VHS, so like, you know, three well, entries. Well, yeah, you're, you're creating a franchise, and you're creating a franchise that's really super easy to augment in the case of things like, for example, VHS or the ABCs of Death, where there's not a unifying concept. Well, there's, there's like maybe the faintest unifying concept, but you can, you know, since it's an anthology, you can throw in whatever stories you wish. And hope they work. <laughs> there we go. Are we doing this like last time where we each listed anthology? We can do that or we can just talk. Uh, do we want to do like a top five? I, I, mine's not really in any sort of realistic yeah. about that. And I'm probably more likely to have a bottom five than the top five. Because <laughs> <laughs> anthologies, I think, can be god awful. Yes. Uh, well, they're and regular they movies are. can be. Because <laughs> it's really, because I think it's it's almost uh, like in some cases, like I'm going to straight up say it for uh, All Hallows Eve. Where someone made a bunch of bad shorts oh. and wrapped them and made a wrap around and released them as a package. Fuck that movie. <laughs> Fuck everything about Art the Clown. I was reading something about the like the, the character online and it's like if you because I've never seen All Files either. I've only seen Terrifier. Oh wow. And they're like, oh yeah, no, no, no. The, like David Howard Thornton and the director are like, no, he doesn't hate women. I'm like, have you seen the fucking character? He reserves his most brutal punishments. For women. I mean, at the end of the that last All Hallows Eve thing, he carved a bunch of slurs into her. Mm-hmm. Spoiler cut alert. Off, cut off her tits, shape, yeah. And well, I did do. I'm glad I haven't movie. seen that movie. Yeah, it's uh, it's on Shutter if you want it to take the 80 well, minutes. But... It's one of the reasons I think my... I, I, get, I don't dislike anthologies. I just find that the ones I like to the point where I'm watching again are very, very few and far between. And part of that is it's real hard for me to name... An anthology, and again, the ones that I really like are the small handful I can name that is consistently good. Mm. Is that even your better anthologies, you're still only looking at a handful of them actually being good or really enjoyable. And it is the rare anthology indeed that across the board, I say I liked every single one of these stories, and there's really only one obvious one in terms of, of film that comes to mind for me. There's others where I liked a number of them, but not all of them. And if we're looking at TV series like Twilight Zone or Outer Limits or Alpha Hitchcock Presents, then yes, those I adore because it's all self-contained. And it's not five of them and three of them suck. Yeah. It's You might have a bad episode, but oh well. On to the next. Yeah, yeah exactly. And it's different. It's, it's really different when it's a TV series, which is why... I mean, anthology TV series are definitely a thing, but I think it's easier to do an anthology TV series than it is to do an anthology film well, because I think your audience is more forgiving of a bad episode than they are of a bad short, because mm-hmm. too many bad shorts in a, in a two-hour period, and you don't want to watch this anymore, where if you got a bad 22 minutes, oh well. Yeah, it makes you wonder, like, sometimes where if the people make putting it together... The, whether it be putting together a package film or a bunch of shorts with that are unrelated, or actually coming out and designing something and I'm like, oh crap, these ones are bad. Where do we put them? Do we start with the bad ones and right. move up? Do we put them in the middle? <laughs> do we do interspersed? Of course, it's if people assuming if people are aware the product wasn't as good, but I, I will say it's why I kind of give um, uh, Bone Bat Show so much credit when they do Bone Bat comedy horrors is that 
the the ratio of films I enjoy versus films I don't at Bombat. It's pretty phenomenal. It's yeah. pretty phenomenal. I mean, particularly I each like year, I feel like it like gets maybe. better. Yeah, like the first year I went, there was a handful I didn't like. In fact, I think I remember my write-up. I said something like, it's obvious there's no women helping you pick films. Yeah. And it was funny because <laughs> Linny had said the same thing the year before. And then uh, the second year I went, I actually talked to Steve about it, and I commented I, I appreciated that there was more women-centric and more women directors. And, and he had said, you know, we're really trying to represent and, and be very... Um, be more diverse, be more representative, and, and I have to say, they, they really do a phenomenal job. So those of you who aren't sure what we're talking about, uh, you can check out both the Bone Bat Show, and if you are in the greater Pacific Northwest area, or even if you're not, come on out. Bone Bat Comedy of Horrors Short Film Festival is an absolute delight. Yeah, my buddy Sophocles comes from the East Coast every year to yeah. watch it, just, just for this. It's, it's really, it is, it is so much fun, and the films are diverse and really entertaining, and they just put on a really great show, and I, I have nothing but nice things to say about them and what they do. Uh, yeah, I think we're all in accord on that. Yeah, um, it's, it's, April, uh, it's April every year. Yeah. I'm forgetting when usually April the first, is Usually the coming year. second weekend yeah. is when it normally is. I'm sure uh, usually December is when they start. Yeah, where they start. Where they start so the after, after Halloween, we'll look for that. And we'll, we'll definitely plug the fuck out of it. Oh, okay. I feel bad for Steve. I feel bad a little bit for Bob because they also, you, you do the Crypticon. Choice. Yeah, and the, oh, the that's right, yeah. So yeah. you get to do, you get to scrape the bottom of the fucking <laughs> oh, yeah. barrel. Oh, oh yeah, it. we both no, do. I'm, yeah, he I'm on the other job. But he's still watching 2016. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I messaged Eric occasionally and talked about that. Sorry, I didn't mention I was like, Steve's been on our show before. Yeah. When we had our horror comedy episode. So we talked, yeah, we talked about that a lot, watching bad values. So maybe we just, we could just talk about one doing or maybe each mention our favorite and it's kind of like, Seeing what conversation comes from that, rather than be like, this is that, and cut it off. Maybe just let it flow from there. Uh, so, Kim, what's your favorite? Uh, uh, I mean, it's it's cliche, but trick or treat. No, I, yeah. I mean, like, I there's nothing about trick or treat I don't like. I want to have a child, and I want Sam to be my child, and that's the only child I actually want. All others need not apply. Um, I, I just think it's it's delightful. I love the sense of humor of it. I think each of the shorts are, are very entertaining. And I mean, of course, there's going to be ones that you like a little bit more than others. But, but they're all strong. They're all strong. Yeah. And there's not a single one I don't enjoy. I love Sam as the through line. And I I love the color palette of it. It's just bright and, and delightful. It's just, it is. And I know that it's a movie some people. Jason. I respect that. Like, in general. Film is a very subjective medium. Yeah. And there's gonna be stuff that some people are just drawn to and some people aren't. Uh, but Trick or Treat, from the moment I saw it, it brought me joy. And it, it when I'm when I'm in a bad mood, that is a movie that always makes me happy. And I yeah. actually have a different opinion about Trick or Treat. You're fired. I, Fuck you, Cody. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I think honestly from a short standpoint. It's very weak. It's weaker than a, a majority of the ones on my list. I think that the wraparound is good with Sam. I think that he's a great character, and I think there are some great moments. And I think the director, Michael Doherty, he knows how to make it atmospheric. Look, he did great with oh, yeah. Krampus. Yeah. He did great with the atmosphere in this. And Godzilla. And Godzilla. Oh, Dude knows how to really do that, but I thought that the overall. Stories were just kind of 
you think maybe what that's why it's uh separated out and you get bits at a time to if you put them all as together, opposed one to, thing, yeah. if, if the full story of each thing maybe not work as well that is an anthology where you are seeing a little bit more uh relevant story 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 you are seeing some pieces of the story yeah. before you get to the main one and even then they're kind of bleeding into each other there's definitely like four stories in order but uh, then yes. there's but there's still well yeah and yeah. i really respect the fact that it, it wanders outside the box of yeah. a traditional anthology and i'll stop short saying fuck you cody but i think that the movie's terrific i'll um, say it for tony <laughs> uh, i need to lip sync while she, while she <laughs> says it so i'll move my lips and she'll say fuck you cody <laughs> uh, but no, I think that might be why I like it too. Is that it, it is oh, it's one of the different than one, and it's 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 not that I don't enjoy the short, 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 short. But I like a stronger through line in general because I feel like if I'm gonna watch a bunch of short films, I just want to watch a bunch of short films. Uh, I don't necessarily then need them to be packaged together uh, as an anthology. And so when there's effort involved in actually putting a through line into something, I'm like, bitch, yeah. Uh, it's exactly what I say when I watch the bitch, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I can also respect that the the stories, I think, are very specific, and I also think that that's why some people don't like them as much. And I completely get why people love it. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's just like, it's never my cup of tea. Yeah, that's fair. But I do enjoy that character in the design mm. of Sam, and I thought of you when I was looking at the Spirit Halloween website, and they actually have a little Sam that comes up yeah. here. Ah, yes. that's a, well. The other thing that I really like—I uh, mean, I there, um, Darty strikes a wonderful mood yeah. that is very much DC Comics meets yes. Tim Burton. Yes. Um, and there's and, a cheekiness. To yes, it. exactly. There's a playfulness and a cheekiness to it. Um, uh, it's obvious that he is putting an enormous amount of of, of care and love into what he's doing. Yes. And I and, and that for me comes through very vividly. I also think the cast is first rate. Oh, I mean, there's, yeah, yeah. there's, they just chop it right on really great. Yeah. <laughs> well, I will say I tend to gear more towards anthologies who are directed by one director versus anthologies directed by many directors. Yeah, interesting. Personally, because again, directors, when you've got anthologies directed by multiple directors, I can tell. And that's where I'm like, I really like this one. I thought this one was shit. It's usually less to do with the writing and more to do with, in general, I don't like a director's work. Uh, and I think that's, I think that, is a weakness in a lot of anthology films and not a strength personally yeah and you can see yeah that that through line of the same style i think really helps yeah. from the ones that uh, when i was like making my way and looking through it's like a lot of them that do have the same directors yep. like i'm gonna just jump into my favorite from here because it's usually comes as, as one of the other top ones but also the same director and writer through it uh, but also has the same ec you know tongue-in-cheekness is is creep show yeah, yeah. Of yeah that has to come up show. and yes. that's why it took us this long to even mention creep show yeah yeah um yeah and I'm, Creepshow 2, actually, I kind of like. Creepshow 3 is a fuck that. Um, <laughs> no one likes Creepshow 3. Creepshow 3 was one. But we'll... <laughs> it was just the worst. The yeah. first two oh, is super It's strong. completely different, different everything. Yeah, and Creepshow 2 gets a lot of shit, but I think Creepshow 1 is, like, miles above it. Um, oh, yeah. But Creepshow, especially Creepshow 1, has, yeah, such a design from, from King and Romero of that style and the color use and ending at the right points and the comic in and out. Uh, that just lands so well. Like I, I got the Shout Factory that came out last year, uh -huh. and it has four commentaries, three hour special features, and it looks 
gorgeous. Did it come with the uh, documentary? Because they did a documentary. No, no, it did not come with just dessert. Yeah, I've got that. That's super great too. Yeah, I've got the original. I had the original comic in top. Yeah, and I have. I read that recently. I have the Bernie writes into the drawings for that. So nice. I got the the updated one that came out a couple years ago. Well, that's why he gave me yours. No, I'm kidding. Oh. <laughs> just re-gifted. <laughs> Here you go, fucker. Take my old shit. Um, no, I absolutely love Creepshow and Creepshow too. But Creepshow mainly just has that that visual style, uh-huh. and it's just done so well. And you can tell that there was a vision for it because it was the same. Because it was the same and writer, and same, same writer, writer and same director, yeah. same team. Team. I mean, there's a cohesion to it that does not exist in other ones that have those different directors because they can't. They're not talking to each other. And look at the cast of that. You get yeah. fucking Ted Danson, yeah. Leslie, Leslie Nielsen. Oh, Leslie Nielsen! Hal Holbrook, oh. who is permanently overlooked. And yeah. let's not forget. John Ampless. Oh, sorry, guys. Stephen King. <laughs> yeah, of course. Stephen King. With his or, or, or leader shit. Can we forget Stephen King? <laughs> no, who's getting there? Getting there. And E.G. Marshall and actually, I, I, I kind of Adrian Barbeau. Adrian Barbeau and one of in like one of the one of our great show stealing, <laughs> you know, brassy ass, you know, full board, um, like performances. I, I adore the woman, and she doesn't always get uh, a chance to to really like. Show her stuff, and I think I think um, that uh, the character that she plays in in Creepshow, uh, she gets to be, she gets to really go way over the top. And like a lot of the other performances in the movie, it, it's pitched almost operatically, which you need for an e, for something that's based on you know that that is in the spirit of the EC comics. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're dealing with with a with a comic book um, atmosphere in a comic book world, and I, you can tell, the other thing is you can tell that all of the actors in the movie are having a hell of a good time mm. and just chewing up the scenery in the best possible That's what I think is like, so quotable, you know, it's Father's Day and I ain't got my cake or I can hold I my breath. <laughs> yeah, I, it's really, uh, I, yeah, I mean, I, again, delightful. Is... And the monster fluffy. Oh, yeah. That scared the crap out of me as a kid. I just love the lighting change when, he, when he's about to attack. And he just comes out and just wrecks shit. And I love that all that lighting was done, like, you know, on set, too. It wasn't just uh, transposed and afterwards. That was all designed in yeah. that way. So I was able to get that, replicate that look. And that, that's the look that ends the EC comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, when you see EC <laughs> comics, you can't go about immediately jumping to Tales in the Crypt. And it's right. various forms. Yeah, various <laughs> forms. Um, I, and I, I'm very old school, and it sounds like you're kind of, on, in the same camp, Cody, which is that um, I really think the Amicus 70s, um, EC, direct, directly adapted from EC Comics, um, Tales of the Crypt and Fall of the Four are both yeah. really good. I think especially Tales from the Crypt, the 1972 Tales from the Crypt. Um, I just watched it recently, a couple of weeks ago, and I was really blown away by how consistent the stories were. Um, again, we're talking about one director. I want to say it's Freddie Francis. Maybe, maybe it sounds familiar. Yeah. Um, uh, and the stories are just uniformly strong. It's got one of the best Christmas horror stories ever yeah. in the form of an all through the house um, with, with Joan Collins being terrorized um, very amusingly. Um, also, yeah, Francis. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and it's also got a really strong episode 
with uh, Peter Cushing in a supporting role. Oh, yeah. um, very which, sad. Yeah. Um, wow. uh, he plays a, a an elderly widow who is basically terrorized to the point of suicide. And uh, this being an EC comic story, um, the uh, the torment does not go unpunished. Uh, but he uh, Cushing gives a really wonderful performance in it. It was just a year after he had lost his wife to cancer. And oh. so and so all of that pathos that is in that character he brings to it and it's it's wonderful um the other story that i really love in it is called blind oh gosh i'm forgetting blind alleys thank you blind alleys um That's which you yes exactly and it features patrick mcgee who is better known as um uh, one of the, the the victims in the clockwork orange uh he plays a one of many blind people in an institute for the blind um, and uh, the extremely uh, horrible and cruel director uh, receives a really uh, terrifying and visceral comeuppance. And it's just, it's, it's again, solidly constructed. You've got that singular vision because you've got one director uh, and a real sense of, I mean, like classy actors. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, Sir Ralph Richardson is the mm -hmm. crypt keeper for heaven's yeah. sake. Yeah. And that guy was in Hitchcock movies. That guy worked, you know, mm -hmm. the, the Royal Shakespeare Company. So. Um, you've got that element of class, and it's just a real strong anthology. I think Amicus anthologies in general really, really hit well. Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of the ones that Roy Ward Baker did. Um, he did Vault, mm -hmm. and then he did Asylum. Oh, yes. Which is one of the better, I thought, you know, that. Um, he did another one that was Amicus inspired but it wasn't really the band the monster club mm -hmm. and he did all three of those and those have been some of my favorites i was hoping to watch monster club before this podcast i think it's on shutter or it's on amazon prime one of the two, one of the two. That's yeah. one of the two. amazon prime shutter needs to sponsor us we <laughs> have time to give shutter shutters yes yeah, so asylum i think of vault of horror and sure vault of horror is on one of those yeah uh so um, a lot of them are, are vault of horror shutter um asylum is prime Okay. Yeah. Um. And I really, I, I want to get on the soapbox for am for ample uh, asylum as well because I really, of of all of the Amicus anthologies, I think it just might be the crown jewel of them. It has an incredibly strong wraparound. Um. It has, uh, for me at least, all of the stories work. And again, you've got a great cast firing on all cylinders. And a wonderful, wonderful ending. I love the ending. The ending is yeah. such a great so payoff. Good. And it makes sense because it's written, again, we're talking about, you know, Kim's uh, point about cohesion. We're talking about, again, one director, and we're talking about one writer, Robert Block, the legendary writer of Psycho and umpteen bazillion indelible uh, novels and screenplays. And it really, uh, it really has his touch, which gets back to, that wonderful playful spirit that you get in anthologies. Yeah, that one is just uh, everyone needs to see it. My it's favorite great. part, my, my favorite segment of that is the one where uh, uh, another Peter Cushing appearance, mm, yeah. where he's having him make the, uh, the glowing rainbow suit for his son. Yes. Um, oh, that's such a good one. I love that ending on that because you, you know where it's going yeah. when it. Yeah. When, when stuff starts to happen, but I'm like, oh. for a lot of these, you kind of know the ending, which is the beginning yeah. starts, but it's, it's yeah. the journey and, and what and how it's approached. And I love the Vault of Horror one where Terry Thomas is that fucking over anal guy who's just like, <laughs> I have to be neat. Why can't you be neat? Uh -huh. 
So you use it for so many anthologies, and this thing, like, not saying a bad thing, like you see the setup, you see the main characters, like all right, so this person's gonna trouble this person, then this person's gonna get the revenge, and it's gonna end with this, you know. But that's yeah. that's fine. It's it's a it's a it's a like well, there's talking a, about uh, Asylum, the Charlotte Rampling Red Eklund one. You yeah. know, like as soon as it starts, like oh, I know where it's going. Yeah. Yeah, as soon as Brett shows up, like yeah. It's only, you know, not spoiling it, but then as soon as it starts, you're spoiled. Yeah. It's like, oh, we know where this is going. But it's fine, because it, this business is going to play out the way I expect, and play out a different way. If it plays out the way I expect, you're still cool with it. Well, yeah, exactly. And I think that that gets back to kind of, I think, one of the elements of anthology horror movies that I think draws a lot of people, and I will readily cop to this, is there's a comfort food factor to it. There are a certain amount of tropes that are usually explored in most anthology horror movies, and it is. It's it's warm and fuzzies. It's chicken soup for the horror geek soul. Revenge, really. come up, it's... Exactly. Pe- people Revenge. do something bad, and then they get happen, happen to them at the end. Sometimes you get that little, you know, Absolutely. that last ding, and... It's one of the things I really love about the house that dripped blood and, um, from beyond the grave. In particular is the ending where the where the character starts addressing the audience like yep. peter cushing's like oh you're my next customer come into my shop and i'm like mm. <laughs> like i'm i wouldn't fuck you over so my thing wouldn't be overall cursed or i would survive it so yes peter cushing i would love to shop at your place <laughs> um there i have has anybody here besides me seen the first of the amicus anthologies dr curtis alpha Four? i tried to find it and I'm, I'm gonna have to actually go out and buy it so no i haven't seen it uh it's terrific i would put it just shy of asylum in terms of kind of the the pantheon of the amicus anthologies uh it's from 1965 it is the first of the anthologies by amicus uh, Peter Cushing stars in the wraparound. Uh, all of the segments are really super strong. It's got a phenomenal cast. Peter Cushing is in the wraparound. Christopher Lee plays a snooty art critic who torments an artist played by the great Michael Goff. Uh, and that ends with a terrifying comeuppance. And a very young Donald Sutherland makes ah. one of his very first movie appearances um, in a vampire story. So it, And it's super entertaining, uh, atmospheric very much plugged into the spirit of the EC comics, uh, even though it's not officially based on any of them. Uh, and all of the all of the stories are super strong. And I, I don't think there's, there if there's a DVD or Blu-ray release, it really hasn't been very valuable. It's hard to get a copy of it. Yeah, exactly. Um, one one year we'll go into Crypticon and Vendor Syndrome will have it sitting on yeah. the table. Probably. And I'll buy all the copies just to have them. <laughs> Damn straight. From Beyond the Grave is one I want to shout out before we're probably going to have to move on from Amicus. Um, and that's, again, you've got uh, Peter Cushing, he's the wraparound. But Donald Pleasant is in the second one. And David Warner, uh, Ooh, who yeah. were two steps away from being um, uh, you know, Freddy Krueger back in the day. And that's he's right. in my, what, and honestly, the, the mirror vampire thing that he's in, that's mm-hmm. one of my favorite. Uh, stories and all the amicus things. I love the way that that's That's shot. a good one. That's that a really good one. Yeah. So good. Um, and I love the um, the end of the one with Paul Pleasant in it because he, he just acts like such a fucking weirdo throughout the whole thing. Uh, that's Donald Pleasant. Donald Pleasant's acting weird. No. Uh, he's a, he was in a couple. Uh, he was in the Monster Club too. He was oh, yeah, yeah. Weird vampire hunter too. Uh, he plays a lot of weird monster hunters. He plays a lot of weird monster hunters, and it, it works so well for him. Oh, yeah. But Peter Cushing, by far, is the, the MVP of the Amicus. Yeah. Anything they plug him into, it works, yeah. no matter what. 
Well, he, I, I mean, he was just a criminally underrated actor who I think happened to find fame lending an air of class and, and just sheer talent to a genre that was very maligned. Um, this is a man that, you know, but for, but for a, a few twists and career fate could have readily been, you know, considered, you know, right in the league of uh, Richard Burton and Lawrence Olivia. He, he was like that incredible of an actor. When you get somebody with that kind of gravitas lending their presence to a, quote, junkie genre, unquote, it just elevates it. It really legitimized Star Wars a yeah. bit, too. Well, I was just thinking about the same thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not horror by yeah. any means, but it's that's the yeah. genre. And, right? a, and a maligned or previously up to that point. hate doing it, like, um, like, 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 and Christopher Lee and John Carradine, they were never below doing anything. No. Yeah. They would do it, and they would give their all, and they would bring their full effort to it, and it's shown, and, and I appreciate that, because, you know, you see so many actors, Nicolas Cage is a major culprit of this, that if they don't want to do the fucking role, they are going to show up, get their paycheck. Bruce Willis does it a lot like that. Well, like I'd say like Bruce Willis much more yeah. than Nicolas Cage. At yeah. least Nicolas Cage knows the scenery. Yeah, I, he kind of, I was, there's a great article that was just published with him, like, uh, an interview that, I mean, it's batshit, because it's Nick Cage. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, like, he shows up, and he does the Nick Cage thing, and, and directors are either want to do more of that and less of that. But I, I also say, I think what some of those actors discovered, and I think we have some still alive today who continue to be kind of our horror icons, is that the horror community specifically is so grateful for their presence. And loyal. And loyal that, like, we will, we will make your career. So you can either struggle to make it into a mainstream Hollywood, or you can make a legit living. I mean, look at Tony Todd, for yeah. God's sakes. Like... He knows who butters his bread, he, you know, and he does his guest stars on yeah. all these TV shows. And he's one of those people when I show them his picture, they're like, oh, oh yeah, 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 it's that guy. Yeah. But in the work community, he is he is one of our superstars. Absolutely. And one of the things that, you know, and not to get too far off of the anthology tangent, but one of the reasons why I think... Uh, Horror fans just love their character actors. Yes, we're yes. not, we're not, we don't, we're always looking for somebody who's pretty. We're yeah. looking for somebody who has character yeah. and stands out. And who's going to anchor a exactly, film. Exactly, who can anchor a film and will throw themselves into it. Mm -hmm. Which is, again, circling back, that's why Peter Cushing and Christopher yeah. Lee and John Carradine, to a great extent, work so well in so many of these anthologies. And Vincent Price as well. Oh, Vincent yeah. Price, we yeah. into yeah. Tales of Terror yeah. or... Um, the Whisper to a Scream. Which, which I just that, watched I watch yesterday. That. Director of Other Face, Texas Two Massacre 3. Yeah. Also, his Offspring. I think Shoutfactor did that. Yeah, they put it out. Yeah. Uh, I have it on DVD, and it's. Have you watched it? It's really entertaining. It's it's not a work of art, but as far as a, a, a piece of low budget resourcefulness with moments that have you go, whoa, Nelly, uh, it's good for that. I've seen it more times than I've seen some good horror movies. Oh, wow. I, I love Whisper to a Scream, especially the Civil War one. Uh, yeah. I, I think, uh, that's the strongest one. Yeah. it's uh, yeah. I, I mean, I enjoy all of them. And I also just, it's got such a great cast. Again, you're, you know, Clue uh, Gulliger is excellent mm -hmm. in the first segment. The first segment is deeply unsettling. Yes. Deeply creepy. Um, and plus, you've got to love a movie where the wraparound is... Um, Vincent Price, 
and uh, character actress Susan Tyrell, who normally plays absolute operatic nuts, um, like baby. being very restrained for uh, for much of the wraparound. Um, yeah, that one's a real good one. That's kind of an underrated one, I think. Um, I, maybe we should circle back. I mean, there have been a lot of anthology franchises that have surfaced like in the last 10 years. Yeah, exactly. And uh, what's interesting about a lot of them is it, it, it is, um, I, I understand how uh, Kim's mileage with non-unified anthologies can be frustrating because the fact of the matter is they are. They're erratic as hell. Um, I tended to... To the to, point of being jarring for me at times. Interesting. Because that was kind of how I felt watching that in our cinema, mm -hmm. was that they were so drastically different and the through line was not strong enough for me That's to the justify key. it. That's the, that is the one we... Uh, now, for me, I uh, again, it's strictly your mileage may vary, and I really am very Forrest Gump when it comes to my anthologies. I don't mind if one's not too good, because I'll poke my finger in the other one. It'll be a tasty candy treat. That's not Forrest Gump, but okay. But <laughs> I'm not gonna, I, I don't have enough interest in Forrest Gump to do an accurate I hate Forrest Gump, but that's... But it, it's, yeah. I guess, I mean, looking again, let's look at the contemporary and Nightmare Cinema. My yeah. issue for that was that I enjoyed a number of the individual stories. Yes. Um, not all of them. I, I think, And I think I liked a couple of them less than, than you guys did. Um, but for me, the through line was so weak that it actually detracted from the overall film for me. I would have rather than just yeah. seen the shorts back and back to back thing. as their own thing. And then I think I would have liked some of them even better because the way they tried to make them in any way, like the... It is super tenuous. It is like the most tenuous of of, of uh, connective threads. Yeah, and... I really think he just like wandered on the set As we one mentioned, day. Like every podcast since then. <laughs> I really do. I think he wandered on the set one day and he just wandered around and they built the through line around him wandering around the set. No, he's going to wander <laughs> into my apartment one day and sit down and he's going to do his Nicky Warren thing. And we'll make it into an anthology. But also, like, it, yeah, I did really love Nightmare Cinema. I think I liked it best out of all of us. Yeah. But, I, but I, I, I'm, I'm up there, though. I, I really, I'm up there. And I think I think part of it for me is the comfort food aspect. And I'm not, I'm I'm more willing to go with jarring contrasts in, in mood and tempo and aesthetic. I think it's the I'll, theater. Anything, it's the theater person in me. If you're going to tell me a story... You either need to be telling me these smaller stories or you're telling me one big story where they should all be connected. But at Theater 101 is we are telling a story. Wait, Kim, you're in the theater? <laughs> Fuck you, Kim. <laughs> uh, and so I think that's a little bit of what jars me. I'm willing to accept individual short films. I'm willing to accept an anthology that genuinely ties everything together. Or that's presented in a way that is more strictly like I, for me, what was it was on my list was Black Sabbath. Yeah, which song? Oh, yeah. thank you. Yeah. Yes. And and I love Black Sabbath, but it's it's they're also not trying to be. They're not trying to do what like Nightmare Cinema does, or some of these other, or even like VHS, which has the basic story now side. But and yeah, that's uh, actually I was say like the thing with like sometimes with having a wraparound makes me want to say that. These all happen in the same universe, and they obviously don't. Kind of annoys yes. me a little bit because yes. I want to make them connect. I want to make them be like well, oh, this universe, this thing, and this. To, yeah. so but uh, it, 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 take it away the wraparound, and it, it won't 
do that. And I pulled out of something. And so if I'd seen these individually, I may have enjoyed them more than seeing them with a really weak wraparound that's telling me this is our universe, but our universe does not exist by the same rules. And that, for me, is is problematic. Well, VHS, I thought, was probably one of the better anthologies that's come out in the last yeah. it was fine. X amount of years. Yeah. I thought VHS, VHS 2 were very good. I'm strong. actually kind yeah. of a big fan of both of them. I, I, think, I, I think I ended up liking 2 better. I like two has the the, the, best the religious story cult. Yeah. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I don't yeah, think yeah. anybody's gonna argue yeah. with the mastery of that. No, it that was absolutely. That was, yeah, I think the first well one's done. the most balanced. Yes. But the second one has the best story. It has the standout story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and I um, I thought that the first VHS did a really good job of, of being pretty even in its quality. Mm-hmm. There was nothing really bad in that movie. It was it was inoffensive. I I watched. It, I was like, okay. But have I ever watched it again? No. I've watched VHS five or ten times. I own the DVD. I I own the Blu-ray actually. And I am the Debbie Downer of this. Well, and that's okay. We were we were loving as long as you don't love VHS Spiral. Yeah, I think we all can agree. I still haven't seen it. It's don't don't worry about it. Um, I there's like one good part of it. Yeah, one thing I think part of the reason I I will openly admit that part of the reason that I really enjoy the first two VHS movies, especially the first one, is the circumstances under which I saw the first one. I saw it at a midnight screening at the Sith Egyptian. Me too. Um, and w- running on not a lot of sleep. Yeah. And um, I was absolutely captivated. And I think one of the things that I found really entertaining about it is um, how they made it look like a bunch of VHS vignettes. Yeah. And I loved how I, I loved how it would how it would like literally have that weird stippling mm-hmm. fade in and fade out. Um, you know, where, where it would like kind of, you know, very abruptly segue midway into one, into one sequence and then into another. It felt yeah. very, and that, at least for a while, kept me very much on my toes. It kept and me, concept alone for that movie kept me engaged. Yeah. Was, I thought this concept was really cool. It was really interesting that if you look at the first two, the third one over like hand hands, it fucked the third one. That one doesn't exist. But like, if you notice the wraparound. Things get a little dingier and weird shit starts to happen as they watch the tapes. Right. Yes. And it seems like they were building towards something where the tapes are a source of some kind of. Yeah, that felt like they were cursed. It yeah. felt like they were like a curse or something, and then they just completely throw that out for the third one. It's like, it felt like it was building to where all of this was happening in the same universe. Yes. But. Maybe it was the tape, maybe it was something on them, maybe it was something that was recording that was causing the, because you know, there's aliens and there's demon beasts and there's uh, the siren, which got made into its own yeah. movie. Right. Um, which is a pretty solid movie. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah I, uh, the siren, the siren sequence, I'm really, um, the actress who is in that, who plays the siren, Hannah Bierman, I think is her name. I like you. <laughs> I like you. Allison turns to me and says, I "I like you." (laughs) She is is absolutely terrifying. She is so terrifying. And the first time I saw that movie, um, it did a really very clever job of having her sort of in the background and then sort of gradually having her enter into the foreground. And she just those huge, very expressive eyes. Yes. She and her slightly off features. Yes, and it's perfect because it's not like it's not like this. Oh, you know. Somebody who's you know twenty and coming out of you know film school, you could tell that you know she's had some experience and all of that. But that scene where she gets her face split and she turns around and her eyes are just all bugged out. Oh, 
love that. Set the whole time. Well, yeah. uh, was it like in regards to like these, you know, more packaged film style? Uh, one thing I do appreciate this is bringing a lot of like up and coming directors and giving yeah. them oh, yeah. somewhere to put yeah, it out. Yeah, yeah. Even like as much as I dislike viral, uh, the Bone Storm segment was done by uh, the guys who made Resolution. Yes. And, and, yes. Uh, and I hated so, that segment, but, but I hated that segment, but yeah, it got them. It got uh, them the, exposure they needed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, sometimes it'll bring my attention to a director then, that I feel like I need to look out for. That's why I bought Resolution. I still haven't watched it, but I bought it because I, I saw the segment on VHS. It's funny that. It actually had the opposite effect for T. West, who directed the weakest segment of the first VHS. Yeah, his, yeah the Grand Canyon one. Yeah. The Grand Canyon Second one was so lame. And yeah. I'm like, because, you know, I came in because I'd just seen House of the Devil. Oh, yeah. This is back yeah. when Netflix was really doing horror well. Yeah. And I saw VHS for the first time. I was 19, early 2013. It was one of the first movies I watched with Carolyn about a year later because I mm-hmm. finally convinced her. Uh, <laughs> She and um, oh god, and I just I loved it, and I was so excited for the second one. And you can ask Carolyn about how mad I was when I watched the third one. Mm. Ah. Yeah, Alice and I stopped the second. Oh, the I was went too. back and rewatched. They I, started again. I actually but, went. It did a. It had a limited one week run at the Grand Illusion, and I went and saw it. I like paid money. Well, I went and saw it hoping that it would be uh, somewhere, you know, in the ballpark of the first two, which I think worked very well, and. It was shot. It's ghastly. It's freaking oh. horrible. The alien yep. one in VHS two. I want to just give a shout out to. I that thought was that was really well done. Uh, I would. It captures that alien. Coming out around the same time, definitely not as well received. But I think across the board, of people seen some people either some love him or hate him. But I just think the ABC. Boo! Yeah, Boo! That's, where, that's where I thought too. So twenty six shorts in both of them, and none of them worked. Oh, okay. <laughs> Bob, I, that okay, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Um, two and a half hours. I will never I'm gonna, st- I, I'm gonna stand and and offer a partial defense, partially because uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna play. Me, I'm judging you right now. I'm uh, judging you. Go ahead and judge away, my friend. Judge go ahead, me. Judge away. Um, I will attempt to make my case here. Right. I part of it is pull that up, yes, I hate yes, I am the most uh, undiscerning uh, anthology horror watcher. Practically, I do have my limits. Hello, VHS viral. But for me, I. I do. Uh, one of the things that I like about anthologies that have multiple directors is that you really don't know what's coming around the corner. And yes, some of the segments segments fall over like they they fall like a they fall over yeah because they're bad yeah I don't think um, like, they they really get a chance to breathe. That's I think the I only remember. one of the only ones that really ever stood out to me was the end for Matador, and that's only because I love. That Mexican kind of horror cinema. Yeah. You didn't like Evis for Farts? I hated that one so <laughs> fucking much. Okay, my favorite is, is yeah. in the first one, and I really, this is one that I will defend to my dying day, which is uh, D is for Dogfight. Oh, I hate that one. I don't remember much. That is a great action movie. I hate it. I thought it was phenomenal. I would say it was wonderfully shot, and I thought it was just super. It's very visceral, very like you felt in the It's fight. wonderfully directed. I could have seen it that. Is, I guess for me, it's the the brutality with the animals was too hard for me to watch. So I hated it because of that. You guys have more memory than I do because I don't remember it. But <laughs> the, the, so I remember but not, but I'm, the, I'm exceptionally sensitive. Watching both of them, I watched like, two point five. I I really really struggle when there's violence towards animals on film. Even at the end, there's all the when things happen. Yeah. But it was really rough for me to get through, and I I. Mm, 
yeah. I'm exceptionally sensitive to those things. I, yeah, I, I, and I can understand that. Uh, I, I do think it's a great piece of filmmaking. And I think that it, I think that it treats the protagonist dog uh, towards the end quite well and develops the character of that dog as effectively as it does the, uh, the uh, plugging away uh, fist fighter who's in, in the ring. I, I just loved it. I thought it was, I thought it was, I, I, will, I felt classic. I'll, I'll, I'll back you up on that one. I thought it was a good segment, but I, I get why you don't want it. I mean, yeah. it's, my, my dislike of it is not from a filmmaking standpoint. It's from a, I, I just, I really struggled. I watched the 300 Days of Horror, and I have a fairly strict policy about not stopping movies. I'm watching 100 Days of Horror, uh -huh. and having to watch that is really upset me. Even, though, like, and I mean, again, the payoff is, is good, but just... Those kinds of movies are really, really hard for me, and so it, my my dislike of it is not that it's a not a well done film. It really is just a gut reaction to some of the visuals. That is hard though. It's a war crime. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and on the, on the the one thing I will defend AFBC's death for is like the rejected short tease for Turbo Good is Turbo Good. That's true. Ah. I also, knew I knew that there was a correlation. Yeah, it didn't win, but they got, but there was enough there that they went off and made the feature based upon the short. Didn't get into ABC's of that. Wait, no, I've seen the original short. It's out there, yeah, it's, but it wasn't part of ABC's of that. It was in something. Yeah, it, mean, it was on the DVD. Yeah, Ty West should be strung up for Mr. Mister. Oh come on, yeah, that. thank you. I'm, I'm totally. I don't even remember that. And I'm like, oh, it's, it's, it's repulsive. It's repulsive and it's and unmemorable and uninspired. It, you know what? It, it, it's like an 11-year-old making yeah. their idea of, yeah. a, of a provocative, shocking it's, horror it's, it's, it's And me, I'm being provocative this from a big Ty West fan. I am a huge Ty West yeah, fan. I love Innkeepers. I love, I love it, the Innkeepers. It's Sacramento. It's great. It uh, comes back. It's it, it, it And I mean, well, it's not just that, but it's also, it, it, it's a continual thing for me with how some men portray women in film. And it was cheap. Uh, yeah. It was cheap. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, there's there's no doubt there's no doubt it's directed by a man. Yeah, but, oh, yeah. sadly, no, no freaking doubt. It's no a, but we're going that. to a uh, positive way of directed by women. We do have Chip, uh, Double X, which came out two years ago, which I, I like three of the four of them. Yeah, but I did a pre I did like the movie on the whole. It was a major disappointment for me. I I really wanted to like it. I went into it. I think I remember actually. I paid to rent it, and I yeah, was so, I rent. so disappointed by it. Um, I thought that none of the segments really worked, except for the, the Antichrist one. That, that kind of worked. That was pretty all right, yeah. But I, my favorite was um, birthday, yeah. uh, the birthday party with Melanie Lansky. Like yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. I will say that one worked, too. The, but the one with the, uh, the one where they're not eating, that one didn't work. The one where they're... Oh, I love that one. Jack Ketchum's story. I hate, I hate that. Yeah, Greg well, my... Uh, the, the Vulcan. Uh, is it? Uh, no, the, that's not the Karen Kusama one. No, Karen no. Kusama did. Um, she did the last. She one. did the last one. She did the yeah. Rosemary's Baby sequel. Yeah. yeah. Um, I my thing with I, I was a little disappointed with Double X as well. Aside from the Melanie Linsky segment, which I think Saint Vincent directed. Saint Vincent that. directed that. That's I think that's a fun little black comedy. Yeah. I'm I'm kind of a little bit, and this is not this is something that some of the quite a few of the, of the ABCs of Death. Um, segments suffer from is something that just kind of meanders to no point 
There's no payoff. And this comes back to actually, uh, you know, uh, part of your very cogent comments on on something that is structured solidly yes. and, and is giving you something dramatically satisfying. I, I don't have to be hammered upside the head with a big twist, but I do want some sort of payoff. If you're going to deliver a, a story to me and you're going to set it up with some interesting potential, which arguably all four of the segments in Double X have very interesting stories with potential, give me a payoff at the end. Give yeah. me some sort of dramatic closure. Um, don't just kind of, and that was why I really disliked the one that was based on the Jack Ketchum adaptation. It's like, it's like, I, you know, yeah, I can understand you're sort of trying to create a sense of ambiguity, but you're kind of creating too much ambiguity and there's just no, it, it just, it just kind of dissipates. That's a lot of the issue I had with, um, all the creatures were stirring, uh, which is a new one from last yeah. year. I just uh, watched that today. Which, like, it like it's one of those issues where it either is starting to ramp up and then stops, or cuts away at the climax uh, as the way of like ending the story. You know, because you know we expect watching shorts to have that shocker at the end, or or some twist or something. They don't yeah. always have to have it. But there's also a difference of ending where that's at, or just stop. Like the second one with the dude who get who now has to take care of the demon, which is like, it is, just stops. I'm like, no, no, this is the first act of your movie. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is shit. And then like the first one where it literally cuts sets to, up a battle between all these officers and then just cuts. cuts to the end. What yes. the fuck? Yeah, I I did like the. The um, Constance Wu segment. That was really good. Yeah, that was a really well done. It's yeah. kind of like they made that first and kind of did everything else around it. And she elevated that that oh. segment. She was acting circles around everyone else. Um, I'm like, you know, because I went into it and I'm like, that's kind of lame. But then I'm like, she just keeps, like, she she took something that a, a lesser actress that it would be for the lame segment and kills it. Yeah, and uh, I did like the one with the, I wanted to like the Christmas Carol style one, but they didn't think it, it did played with it enough. No, it, it didn't, again, it didn't really have much of a payoff. Yeah, it's and that's my big issue some, with that movie. Here's some money for your kid. I'm going to go roll around on my front lawn. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, I think that's an issue I had with like, a lot of things that are like, on the list. Things I think like things that I've watched when it comes to these. is like, or sometimes a lot of shorts. When I watch a lot of shorts, yeah. it's like, it just stops. Or yeah. this is a good place to end because it's shocking, but it's not because it doesn't feel complete. Even with like, because uh, they don't seem like, Say the uh, cutting away from the end during the first story in Asylum worked. Yeah, because yeah. you don't need to see that next little bit. That's a good, st- good yeah. stopping point, even though it's technically before the climax of what the story would be. Because yeah. you don't need to do that. You can end here and cut to future. But those stories are some other ones and other things like like all of holidays and all of like Tales of Halloween did. Well, I think too, it's it's the deceptively challenging thing about shorter films. Um, is that for the same reason that that novellas and short stories are are challenging to more challenging to write than I think people can credit for. Every moment is important. Mm-hmm. Uh, agree. Perfect point. Yes. And so, whereas in a novel or in a full length film, you might have some moments that are establishing. Uh, I mean, I'm not to say throwaway, but every beat of a short needs to be furthering what's happening and that's hard that's hard to do it is hard to tell a concise story in a small amount of time brevity is the soul of strong stories. it is but it's but it's i mean it's something you know i've been working on teenage horror films this summer and and it's something we struggle with some of them is is how easy it would be to 
go too much, to do too much, because you feel like you should. And sometimes you shouldn't. But sometimes finding the right point to end and knowing what is okay to have unanswered and what does do you have to answer is a really hard question to ask. I think as a filmmaker, it can be a really hard question to, to answer. Uh, and I think sometimes it's why it can be a real challenge if you're writing and directing your film. It is hard to separate the writer from the director because you take your words as being precious. It's why, personally, I don't like to direct things I've written. Mm -hmm. Because it's hard for me to divorce myself from the writer where you need somebody who's going to be looking at it objectively. And I think some screen writers and directors who do both, that is also one of the problems. So I think we all, speaking like a, a one that, un, that don't follow through or anything in a way, that movie that I don't think I cared for, but I know all of you saw it. I know two of you saw it with me. It was Phil Guide to Evil. Yeah. yeah. I shared stuff. I didn't I like care for them. it. I, like I didn't think them. none of, I don't think any of the stories were paid where they were going to. Did you, Curtis, did you have a I never got around yeah, to seeing it. You're fine. <laughs> yeah, I, sadly, you're fine. And, and it's, a, again, a, a, a strong stable of directors working on the short. And, like, but, and foreign directors, like, talking about, like, and I was disappointed back because I thought it's something, like, supposed to be talking about from where, like, a, a monster from where they're from. It didn't really pay off of that in any yeah. way. But, but there were, I mean, I remember enjoying some of them. Um, but what's funny is, thinking back now, I'm really struggling to remember, to remember them. Thank them. you. Me yeah. too. Me too. I remember disliking the United States one, mm -hmm. thinking it was dumb. Uh, I remember there was um, the weird Greek one. See, I don't remember any of the story. I remember getting See, disappointed. Isn't it interesting? I remember them like ending and thinking like, okay, it's half the story. Are we gonna like? Is this gonna be a nesting doll? Yeah. Come back out. Uh, yeah. And it didn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was very double X in that, in that sense. And I had seen double X not too long before seeing Field Guide to Evil, and it was like, okay, we've got this whole trend of anthologies that kind of just peter out. Yeah. yeah all the stories were out. like opening acts. They, Thank you. They, 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 they um. Think She's making a waving like, thing. Like, they, they, they get flaccid. They get flaccid. <laughs> they can't keep it up. They can't keep it up. They get flaccid. They have erectile dysfunction. They do. They have erectile dysfunction of storytelling. Yes. And, and anybody, that's a crime. Has anybody else yes. seen Little Death? And no, no, it's on my no. it's it's on my watch list. I haven't got okay. it yet. So it's this, streaming on Amazon Prime. This shit is <laughs> Anytime Cody starts a sentence with this shit, you know it's going to be good. I, I have <laughs> to talk about this movie because it's so fucking bad. Okay, so it's a British anthology film. There's no wraparound. There's no reason that these three stories are together. They have no cohesion. The first one is basically... You have no cohesion. Your mom has no cohesion. That's true. <laughs> so he goes... The first one is your typical, oh, I'm a big, bad... <clears throat> abductor, oh, I abducted a cat person and they're going to kill me now. After a very long, ridiculously, it felt like an indulgent rape scene. Like this dude had been uh, waiting to film a rape scene his whole life. Which, P.S., to all the directors out there who do that, fuck you in the ass with a chainsaw. It yeah. was just, and it was just gratuitous and nasty. And the second one is, I'm not joking about the plot on this. It is about. The Nazi is this uh, so <laughs> The Nazi, wait for us. Okay, so it's set where this guy works for this evil doctor, and he is harnessing 
the sperm from a Nazi experiment or species that they discovered that has these enormous penises ah. and using that penis juice to make pills. Well, it eventually turns out that they are, they, they keep this dude chained up and they just like harvest his sperm. They don't like jerk him off. He's about to say sperm multiple times. Sperm, 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 sperm. Keep saying dog sperm and you can beat William Shatner at a city Comic Con three years ago. I will. Continue. Um, so he goes, so it all ends. I'm, I am, I'm going to spoil this. Spoil it! It ends with the main lady waking up in the dungeon. She now has the penis. And she is getting harvested. The pills that the doctor had given her turned her into the Nazi penis monster. The third one is I have never in my life wondered what the alt-right would write a, a coupled horror revenge movie about, but they do. So it starts out this lady's just terrible as Jay, or oh. to this dude. I mean, just, just terrible. And it ends, I, yeah, I'm going to cut out most of, the, most of the plot, and it ends with him tying her to a bed, boiling up water with like meat in it or something like broth, Throwing the boiling water on her, locking her in a room with ten dogs to be starved, and leaving. Oh. And her main fear is dogs. I'm like, that felt so specific. Like, somebody really got fucked over and was like, I'm going to write the most gory. It's like they took out all of their anger about a, like a bad relationship on that film. And it's just, it felt so so gross. It's just a, it's just a nasty fucking movie. We've been talking about bad ones a little bit. Someone give me something good that we can talk about. Um, please do. One that is, I think, overlooked. It's not perfect, but I was extremely entertained by it. Uh, is a 2000, I think it's 13, uh, 2015 uh, was the official release animated um, horror anthology called oh, Extraordinary yes, Tales. Yes, yes. Um, that was amazing. I yeah, that yeah it, it's, uh, I think, four or five different Edgar yeah. Allan Poe stories. It is somewhat patchwork, but it is the same director. It's a, an animator named Raul Garcia who directs um, all the segments. And I'm a lot more for, I don't know why, I'm a lot more forgiving of something animated than something like that. Well, and one of the neat things about it is that, first of all, it has the stories, um, most of them, they're all, they all, I believe, are narrated by very interesting and wonderful. Um, Christopher Lee, Bella Lugosi. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, you have Bella Lugosi um, reading The Telltale Heart. Uh, set to really a very lovingly rendered um, black and white animation. Uh, Julian Sands does one of the segments. Um, some of them meander a little bit, but uh, the the breadth of ambition, considering the budget and where Garcia's heart is in the movie, it's 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 worth watching for anybody who's a fan of. Poe, or Lugosi, or Christopher Lee, or Julian Sands. Del Toro. Guillermo Del Toro and Roger Corman are the other... Oh, that's right. Yeah, Because Roger yeah. Corman reads uh, Mask of Red Death. I'm mm -hmm. reading the information now, but we did watch it and really enjoyed it. It was on Netflix at one point. I don't know if it still is. I think it's on Amazon Prime. But yeah, okay. that was one that I actually saw, again, in a limited run. God bless the Grand Illusion. I'll, I'll plug them for the day I die. Um, they had a, a week-long uh, run of that as well, and I got to see it on a big screen, and... I really enjoyed it. It wasn't perfect, but getting back to the comfort food element of a, a good most good anthologies, it, it, it hit all the right pleasure notes for me. If we're talking about um, 
uh, Edgar Allan Poe, I, it, we'd be remiss not to mention, where Sony has two stories in it, but uh, uh, Two Evil Eyes from yeah. Argento and yeah. Romero working together in different ways. Yeah. To, uh, but so there's only two stories, I don't know if it really counts, but we have uh, it. I mean, most, <laughs> it, it technically is considered an anthology. Um, if it's more than one story, I guess it is an anthology. Um, and uh, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I, I, I'm a fan of both directors. Yeah, and this movie's almost forgotten for both their. Uh, yeah, ways. exactly. And so it's definitely not. Uh, it's definitely not without its entertainment value. Uh, uh, it's effects. not. Yeah, it's it's not the strongest work of either director. Uh, in fact, I think for me, I think the M. Valdemar adaptation. Uh, by Romero is kind of maybe his driest movie. Uh, although, albeit it's a mini movie. Have you seen Survival of the Dead? I will counter with that. Oh, I, that, that's not dry. That's just Bruiser? plain. That's just plain. Now, you know, that Survival of the Dead is the one where, uh, spoiler alert, uh, the zombies are trained to eat and love horse meat. Yes. Which is about the wussiest, wimpiest cop-out ending for a zombie movie ever. Now, Romero, of course, did work, also work on uh, Tales from the Dark Side, which I think is yeah, that's one of the stuff. Ones to bring that's one of my favorite. Uh, when I was, that's one of the first things I remember watching. Is it the first anthology I ever watched as a kid is Tales from the Dark Side. Very movie. entertaining. Uh, but the show was great. I love the special effects, too. You, and Romero also did two movies, mid-2000s, early Or the Dead Time Story thing? They were Dead Time Stories. produced yeah. those, right? He yeah. produced those. He was the, uh, the narrator, uh, the wraparound guy. They had some that really worked. Most did not. Yeah. There was a good mermaid one, I remember, and there was a really good one on cannibalism. Well, in the mid two thousands, uh, some production companies just started like getting you know horror icons to produce stuff or put their name in front of it. Like there's John Carpenter presents they or them or some shit like that. Wes Craven presents. Wes Craven presents. Oh. It's something I had nothing to do with. It's like here's twenty bucks. And you can you put your name in there? Sure. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I got to get my dog in that. <laughs> Another. Um, Another kind of one where it's just a bunch of random crap, but there is a theme. is Holidays. I, I hated that movie. That movie. Fucking, none of them work. Twelve of them, and none of them work. Not, I still haven't seen it. So. Only one that I think partially works is the Father's Day one. But it's oh, too goddamn yeah, vague yeah. in the end. Because, um, you know, they never really... I, I, I get that everything has an explanation, but it, it, there's not enough. I was literally mad watching that movie. I could face like, fuck that. Another, another one I really hated, Tales from Halloween. I liked half of it. I'm, I'm mixing up. Which is the one that had, uh, like, creepy Jesus Easter Bunny? That was all this. And then it also had the segment where the girls made the guy make a vagina. I don't yes, that was the... That was well, the... I liked that one. <laughs> uh, no, here's... I haven't seen it. In my defense, in my defense, when uh, I watched that during the 100 Days of Horror where my ex and I were in the process of separating, and when that came on the TV, because I was, we we had to work together, it was the worst thing ever, and I got gleeful, like, and I'm not normally into that kind of thing, but when that one came on and everything that happens in that started happening, I was just like, ooh! (laughs) And I I rewound it like five times. Times I might be a horrible human being, it is possible, but um, I actually think there was a few. I thought the zombie Easter Jesus, whatever that was, was weird and fucked up, but also it tickled me a bit. But uh, yeah, 
uh, speaking of like holiday based, there. Have you guys watched the uh, Hulu show that's doing the? They have the. It's all sorts of movies. So they're, yeah. they're presenting like a, like a show. I, I thought the first it, I initially couple. thought it was a show, and then it wasn't. Uh, so I've not been keep. It's on my list to keep up, but I'm I'm. Uh, yeah, I've watched the first yeah. three, yeah. and I know if really can watch them at all. It's not related, but but even stuff that's not related, I still want to watch in the order that they're released. Because like, yeah, me too. are they gonna hand us something and maybe yeah. like maybe come back around? Sometimes there's it. a reason why it's released in the order it is. And yeah, no, this goes to holiday that. matches, but yeah. but I uh, the ones I've seen have, have enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the body, we think the first one. And uh, that's on my list to watch for Hundred Days of Horror, actually, and it looks really intriguing. Yeah, Into the Dark, right? Or is it Hold the Dark? I think it's Into the Dark. Into yeah, because yeah. 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 Hold the Dark was a Jeremy Solomon movie. I went for a while and see if anybody else has ever seen this. The Theater Bazaar. Uh, I've seen it once seen when it, it came out, but I don't remember. I, I remember doing it. I remember the cover of yes. the eyeball. Yeah, the eyeball. I remember yes. this was something where I, and I have a good memory of this. I just worked my first full week at Target. Um, I came home. You were a teenager? I was 19. So like I didn't start week. working until 18. Like last week. Like last week. Right. I came home, <laughs> laid down. This was right before I met Carolyn. And I had a thing where I would just watch Netflix horror movies. That's right. And I saw it. And it was just, just delightful. It was like the last, last summer that the Volcano Burrito was there at Taco Bell. In everything, the stars had aligned for that perfect evening. You know, when I was 19, what didn't exist? Um, Volcano okay, Burrito. I was waiting for you to make some yeah. kind of comment about, like, electricity. electricity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Netflix didn't exist for me. Internal combustion. Yeah, yeah you, you were too busy trying to sneak out to see a... a fucking... The first talkies? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you wanted to see Waxworks when it first came out. Damn straight, bitches. Uh, this isn't technically an anthology. Then it's not getting talked about. No, then no, because no, it mentioned because because you're talking about in a movie theater, which uh, in Josh's project, Nightmare, whatever it was, Nightmare Cinema uh, is popcorn. Now it does have a, 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 a Tom Villard and um, Joel Schlowen. There are three shorts within it. See, no one else has never popcorn. No. It's been a long time. No. I did see it's it. It's been a long, long, long time. Yeah. I just met my friend Nadia from uh, Crypticon. That's one of her favorite movies. Yeah. Oh, I love Nadia. She's yeah, I brought it up to Jill Flo and she was like, what? I remember this year. I love her. Yeah. Okay. I will watch it because she likes it. I remember I, it being very entertaining. It, yeah. um, I really want to see it. But it's been so long. It's, I have I've very little memory of it. It's on my list for 100 Days of Horror. Check it out. Because it's, it's quality. And just, it got lost for a long time. Is it stream somewhere? Maybe I don't know, but it's it it's, it has one wide oh. one major story about the the, the wraparound, which actually takes up like most of the movie, um, in the same way Scary Stories Tell in the Dark did. Um, is about a uh, yeah, but they have a college is having a night of movies at a theater, but then someone starts to kill the people while the while it's going on. But within it's three fifty style B movies like Mansquito and like a Smellorama one and stuff like that. But they're all like. We only, we only see bits of them, so we don't see a, a full short, a full feature. But there's enough in there that could focus as a short. Have they ever done a porn melodrama? I don't want that. I, I kind um, of don't want to know the answer to that. But Lily yeah. Kim had something she was about to say. Um, well, I'm going to throw it out, but and I, I want to say in, that I have not seen this since I was literally a teenager. So it's been like 100 years. Uh, but Campfire Tales from 1991. Oh, I rewatched it recently and I hated it this time. See, and I haven't, and <laughs> I've deliberately not rewatched it because when I was I a teenager, <laughs> I 
loved it. And I don't know that I would still love it today. And I, I kind of am afraid mm -hmm. that I'm going to watch it again and be like, what the fuck Yeah, I found it amateur as fuck when I rewatched it the other day. But as a teenager, oh, no, 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 I loved it. I loved it. Because it was all those urban legend stories. Mm -hmm. And it's, and, uh... It was, yeah, it's on my list here, too. Uh, I said I didn't want to mention it. I mean, Charlie Day is in it. Yeah, like Charlie Day. Well, there's Charlie Day, right? He's in that. Uh, well, before he became. Well, before he became a, a person. Um, <laughs> I could be wrong, but someone, not, somebody. Not on my list. Right. I've got her hands, and is really the only name on this I actually recognize. Um, but the. Uh, 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 the 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 insane asylum and the person escaping and 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 all, I I just remember as a teen because there's also the 1997 one that's different that's what I was thinking of. oh I, I haven't, okay I haven't seen the 19 no 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 1991. 1991 okay I seen 97 1991 so I take it back and it's so it's a two different it's, I mean it's a really similar concept a group of teenagers sitting around a story uh, campfire telling stories but 91 I saw it when I was probably like 13 or 14 years old. And I loved it at the time, and I've not watched it since then. And I'm a little afraid to, because at the time I loved it, but I was a teenager, and teenagers are stupid. So I love teenagers because I work with them, and they're amazing, but also they're dumb. Um, but in the same vein, I'm going to throw out something that has not been released on DVD, I don't think. I think it's one of the things that the rights are lost. There's Grim Prairie Tales. Thank you. I was oh. just about oh. to bring that up. And when you talk about, it made me think of like, oh, it's like Brad Dourif, James Earl Jones. Yes. Great oh rapper. Oh, it's great. Freaking awesome rapper. Yes. See, and that's what I'm talking about. You got a good cohesive wraparound, around. I'm in. Um, speaking of which, I also um, I would like to give a shout out to Tales from the Hood. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. You know what? Absolutely I, awesome. And I, I watched it just recently for the first time, and I really dug it. Yeah, it's it's amazing. It holds and it holds up really well. And you know what? Given the current temper of the time, yeah. it still resonates it, like it a mother. I, I watched it, I think I watched it last year for the first time for 100 Days of Horror. And man, I actually had some legit feels like. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's incredibly it, well executed. It has some moments that you're just like, shit. Yeah, yeah. it's a, I love that one. That was another one. I haven't Netflix. seen the sequel, so I don't know. I've seen the now, sequel. What is, how is it? I haven't seen the sequel yet. I, it's obviously not as good as the first. Yeah. But it is still very good, and I think Keith David does a good job. I don't know why they didn't just get Clarence Thomas. Or Clarence Thomas. That's a, oh, that's a, Clarence. Clarence Clarence. Because he's still fucking yeah. alive. I'm like, oh, he's, he's probably dead. That's why they got Keith David. That'd be too older sick or something. He's, he's only oh, Keith David. Keith David, yeah. Keith David's great. Yeah. In the, it, oh, God. It's very, very good. You know, it's not great. It never crosses the great that the original does, but it's good and it's a world follow-up. Uh, in the same vein of a set of movies from the from the nineties that I never seen a bunch at the time, but uh, is it almost forgotten now? Is Terror Tracks? Have you guys seen mm. that with that John Ritter? Yeah, um, he's a realtor telling stories in places. Years. Oh, I have not. Yeah, seen that. it was originally on like a double pack with Cherry Falls back when they put it out. Ah. Uh, they were both like just. Pickups from a dead company that I think Artisan or Mount Lions yeah, yeah, yeah. tossed out. Uh, but it's solid stuff. Uh, I don't, I haven't seen it in like 15 years, but I really enjoyed it at the time. Hopefully it holds up. But I think it's one of those ones that never got to DVD mm -hmm. for whatever reason. Yeah. Why not Cat's Eye and Nightshare? Oh, yeah, they're good. Cat's Eye was, I was fine with. I watched it for the first time a couple years ago. I wasn't. 
I didn't love it, but I was like, eh, okay, it's a movie. Yeah, I, I had the same reaction. I think part of it is for me is that a couple of the stories that are the inspirations um, that are adapted for that movie, I think are literally a couple of King's best stories. And so the expectation of seeing, for example, Quitters, Inc. Right. adapted, um, I wanted it to be as like sucker punch direct and as flawless and perfect as the original short story is. The original short story is one of my favorite things in the world. When I was in high school and I competed in contest speaking, I did a segment on Quitters, Inc., which was the 10 steps to, to you know, every st successive step if you failed to stay off of cigarettes until it gets to the end, and then it's even beyond regenerate 2%. Never smoke again. We guarantee it. Yes, yeah, it's, it's brilliant. It's, it's a great, brilliant, brilliant best story. story. But it's just, the movie, it's, like you said, Kim, it's a movie. It's, right. it's competent, it's solid enough, um, but it's not, it's not incandescent. There's, there, there's no... There's nothing pretty particularly stand out about it. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to the Night Shift Collection, they're just two first films put together on a DVD and never VHS never get. But that's that Frank Baramont's first direction is uh, Woman in the Room and solid stuff. Yeah. The Boogeyman's pretty yeah. right. But I, it's that's not really another thing. It's I, just uh, two things tossed together on DVD. Yeah. Nothing like Uli Lombo the Boogeyman. Okay, I will. I have never watched the Boogeyman short or the, that short film. Honestly, the reason I've never watched it is because the original Stephen King story, The Boogeyman, is the scariest fucking short story I have ever read in my life. I don't think it's filmable, and so the notion that somebody even tried to film what is, to me, maybe the most terrifying short story I've ever read, it just seems semi-blasphemous. Yeah, it, one other thing is Stephen King is the... Um... Uh, the TV show Nightmares and Dreamscapes is just really, really uneven. Parts oh, of it were really good, and parts of it were really god awful, as you often get for Stephen King adaptations. Right. <laughs> but, uh, like uh, the first one, I think probably the best, only the last case, I think, was it, and then kind of really went. I hated that here one and there. with the. Uh... Where they go to the fucking diner, and it's all this dead rock and roll. Oh, yeah, this, I, that's an odd story to start with, and it was adapted awfully. Um, a couple of, we did talk about it already, but I would like to give another major shout out to Black Sabbath, yes. which yeah. I think is astonishing. Well, I think it's a beautiful film. It's yeah. so beautifully. It's my favorite, Baba. Yeah, yeah, it's so beautifully directed. It's it's very close to my favorite as well. And I, it's one of those movies that, especially if you get a look at it on Blu-ray, it's just stunning. The color palette on the movie. I, I do also recommend, I mean, the. I think the best way to see it is the original Italian version because it's all an original sequence, and and the American version is an interesting curiosity because yeah. but they like completely butcher the the films yeah. and they shuffle the order around. Americans butchering films? Ah, uh, yeah. Um, but the downside so, of the Italian one is it's it's, you, so, it's uh, Boris Karloff's film. Yes, you do not get to hear Boris <laughs> yeah. Karloff's voice. Which, that is off-putting. That is off-putting. Um, that said, I think it's brilliant. Um, another foreign language um, anthology that I think is amazing, but it is definitely a slow burn, is Quaidon. Yeah, that's um, on my list. And I still haven't seen that. It's kind of amazing. I it's based on Japanese folklore. Mm, all I of love. yeah, all of the stories are just beautifully rendered visually. Mm. Um, the last one uh, with the blind monk who is forced to sing to ghosts has the most visceral and terrifying kind of twist at the end of it. It's just astonishing. 
Uh, it is not for all tastes. It is basically as much an art film as it is a horror film. But I think it, it, anyone who's willing to stick with the, I think it's two hour and 45 yeah, minute run. Right, four stories. It, you have to be in the mood stories. for it. But um, it's really, it really rewards your patience. I think it's brilliant. True reviews, Carol. Yeah, it's a good time. It, it's a good it, time. It's fun. And, you know, I think the, the fetish doll. That's yeah. That's it's not reinventing the wheel, but it's a good time. Yeah. That yeah, the fetish is easily the best part. Time. The other that, two, you can see where they're going from the beginning to end. Yeah. And I think Richard Matthens like no one's gonna figure this out. But fetish no, <laughs> doll is, is it's worth it just for that, and it's Absolutely. good to hear me say something like that. Well, and the thing the thing that I also think is very interesting about that is that in my mind, at least in terms of the shocks and the overall kind of suspense setup. Um, it sort of feels like the prehistoric um, uh, ancestor of the child flight movies. Yeah. I really think that a lot of this, the, these, the suspense structure and a lot of how the, the uh, set pieces are filmed in that, you can really see the prototypes of, of especially the first child flight. Yeah. And it's awesome. It, that is so effective. And the other two are not super memorable, but uh, it's a very wonderful showcase for Karen Black. Yeah, yes. you just do a wonderful, yes. wonderful actress. She's great and has a huge amount of range in all three of them. Uh -huh. um, uh -huh. The closing shot in the Zuni Fetish Doll one, I, I, I can't think about it too hard because it just scares me <laughs> spitless. I won't get to sleep tonight if I think about it too hard. So let's talk about another anthology now. Uh, I'll, I'll go ahead. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> Everyone's over the map. I've got, I got <laughs> one, uh, and this is one I just watched, and it's going to be my 100 Days of Horror Noir. It, it has two names. It oh. came out first under the Alien Zone, and it was re-released as House of the Dead. Oh, I've seen that pop up, but I haven't watched it yet. It is basically what I would think in a, it's like an amicus-inspired American Anthology. There's one with a serial killer. There's one with uh, some demon kids, as as there is. Um, as you will typically That's basically get. a day of the week getting a wine for me. There is one that is basically <laughs> like almost a proto version of something like Saw, where this dude gets kind of kidnapped and locked in a um, uh, like a department store, and they just fuck with it nonstop. Yeah. And I thought that was one of the strongest. Stories, but what I like about it is the wraparound, and it's got this guy, and he stumbles in the rain, and it's dark, and it's shot very dark. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's this guy who's an embalmer, and he says, Oh, I know all about my customers. Here's how. And he shows them bodies, like you do. I remember that one's called Body Packs. <laughs> <laughs> and, and basically, <laughs> it would go on to inspire body guys. Oh, okay. So, um, okay. so it's, it's really, it's. It's 70s, like there's even like a 70s band playing with that. Like, like, in, like in Bummer or um, in um, Another Son of Sam with Johnny Charles. Mm -hmm. They just take a break and, you know, here's a 70s band. It sounds like every other 70s band in the history of 70s bands. But it's really an interesting watch. It's, it's not something I'd say is the best. It's not something I would say you have to watch it. But if you're in the mood for a, for a weird anthology film, there are way worse things to go for. Guys, can we talk about what I have a lot of weird feelings about? Yeah. The yeah. Twilight Zone movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I have a lot of weird feelings about that. Yeah. I mean, it's one that I also watched within the last couple of years for the first time. And even watching it, um, 
because I read so much about the helicopter crash. Yeah, I was at Morrow and yeah. And it's funny because, and, and again, for those of you who don't know, um, in in the film there is a, a helicopter crash and it... It, it actually took it, the lives. It took the lives oh, of, of Vic Morrow. As uh, well as the, the two, two young child kids. actors. And... Gross, egregious oh, and uh, safety like, violations. Like the more I read on it, the more uncomfortable I got. That um, there was no—I mean, this was the '80s, the early '80s, so there wasn't the the scandal involved that there should have been. But it watching it was really weird, and I had trouble getting past it even once I got past that specific story. This is one of the first ones. Yeah, I think it's the first. It is the first, it's the, it story. Is the first yeah. one. Yeah, and moves the kick the can and the, yeah, and and. I knew what was going to be happening even watching that, and it filled me with dread. Um, the fact that they had the balls to finish that and well, that I think that I think that's it. I'm like, why is this part of your film? Why does this exist? This should you should stop that short. That Replace should it. not be a part of it. And it, it it colors the whole movie for me, even though I actually enjoyed some of the others. But it, it, it really, really just, especially in this day and age, it's unfortunate. That's why the horse is a full-length movie. It's not an anthology, but I had the same feelings when I was watching Roar the other day. Yeah, I was but, like, I'm like, oh look, these are actual it, animals ripping with, people apart. But, but nobody Roar, died in Roar. For some goddamn reason, no one died. This is the humans getting ripped apart, and, and you're fucking with animals. So some re- for, I don't really care. Yeah. You gotta walk yourself into that. Yeah, I'm like, you knew what you're getting yourself into. Heaven's Fucking Gate was also like one of the, the major catalysts of the no animals were harmed because they yeah. killed some fucking horses. Yes. And then, um, so also, blah, 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 blah. I wanted to mention something that is one horror segment and a generally non horror movie, but the one segment is so fucking good. Uh, heavy Metal. Yes. Uh, with the B. 42, uh, 40, whatever, the, the bomber, yeah, uh, that yeah. sequence is, oh, it's terrifying. It's beautifully nightmarish. It's mm-hmm. so brilliant. It makes you wish that there were more animated horror anthologies. Yeah. yeah. Because, gosh, that seems like a that seems like a format that just would really lend itself oh, well to anthologies. They had a perfect shot for Scary Stories, too. The more I think about it, the more I wish Scary Stories had been an animated anthology yeah. because it, I, the movie did not work for me. I made that point in my uh, yeah. my review, which is on cityofviews.com right now. Um, and because we talked about yeah. it, and I completely agree with you. If it had been animated, it would have been technical. The CGI detraction of the whole film, and and part of what was so effective in the original storytelling for me, and I mean, it's not anthology, but it has elements. Because yeah, you it's almost me. there. It's if if it what well, I kind of wish one more story I would have considered. I kind of wish you embraced it more and done, because it, it also it really only tells a handful of stories. Yeah, and there's so many to choose from. Um, Part of what was so effective to me was the the Stephen Gamble the the um the picture. Yeah. I mean, it's on your wall. So that looks like Stephen a, a Stephen Gamble inspired picture is on my wall. That's how much I loved that animation and how much it influenced me as a child. And the CGI was really disappointing, particularly from Guillermo del Toro being. I thought most of was 
pretty okay, but that was. I was. Cool. I was all that was more practical. So than I underwhelmed. Thought. I was so underwhelmed by the CGI. The, yeah. the red room thing. You're not was the first person who said that. And I, and and the animation is so iconic. Like the pictures are so iconic. That art is just beautiful. It's stunning. I thought that they were in a no-win position when it came to doing live action. And yeah. It should have been animated. I mean, I don't think Harold looked all that or, good. No. Or go, or go, Jim Henson, go like <laughs> fucking puppets and muppets and I mean, you know, I feel like because uh, maybe this is because I just watched the Dark Crystal trailer, so yeah. it's on my brain. But I feel like they had choices. They went with their own life. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, so we only have a few minutes left. Is there anything else I wanted to bring up? I, hate I, or love? I actually do have. The I have like yeah, three things. The remainder of my list is a Christmas horror story, hated which it. I hated it, and Trapped Ashes. Never heard of it. It is an 06 film. It's got Don Saxon in it. Hmm. Um, Mountain. It's an in your phone. It's an interesting um, thing. Joe Dante, Sean X. Cunningham directed a couple things. Oh wow! How did I not see that? It's it's interesting. It's, I wouldn't say it's great, but it was memorable enough for me to bring it up. I'm going to take this phone call. I love that song. Um, can I throw out there one that I know Cody hated now that he is taking a phone call? Uh, <laughs> but then I, I didn't hate. I don't. I didn't love it, but there was one segment I really loved, and that was Southbound. Oh, yeah, I, I, I love it. I actually enjoyed it. I enjoyed it overall. I feel bad for not mentioning it. I enjoyed it overall, but the segment that I that really hit me was uh, was it the accident? Was that what it was called? I think something like that. I know what you're talking about. That one really got to me, and then and I enjoyed it overall. I didn't hate it like Cody did. I don't know that I, I there was for me there was weak points and there were strong points. Yeah. But I did enjoy that I. I felt like there was a through line. I yeah, I like, like the way every was... story connected to the yeah. next. Yeah. And uh, actually, I also will give some props to. I think it's genuinely scary. I think that yeah. the. I think that it plays really well with your peripheral vision at the at the at the start, mm -hmm. where you have somebody driving and they're seeing something like just out of the corner of their eye. Which we've all experienced. Exactly. That idea of something that, just being beyond our reach. So thank you. Yeah. That is that is like extremely unsettling. Yes. And it's just. Uh, I I think it's a super solid movie. I I will confess to not having an enormous amount of memory of the whole right. thing overall. I just remember it for me at least being very consistent and enjoying like it. Southbound. I know Southbound, you're not fond. I know you didn't like it. Um, but after I say that, I I, I struggle a little too because I watched it a few years ago. I watched it not too long after it came out, and I struggle remembering a lot of it. But I remember the accident being one that stuck with me. The, oh, the accident one? Yeah. That was the best part of the movie. That one, that one stuck with me. That was some great gore, body gore. Yes. And, and unsettling. When, uh, yeah, especially when the, the phone operator mm. can turn on him. Mm -hmm. That moment made me genuinely uncomfortable. Yeah. And that's saying something because not much makes me uncomfortable. Uh, another title, so I was going to mention, uh, I hated Chillerama. Talking about things you didn't like. Mm. Um, that was sophomore as shit. Um, Tell tell tales other people really enjoyed. I didn't like it. I thought used the stories were way too long. Um, and then three extremes I thought were pretty solid. I haven't seen uh, I haven't seen that one. One that I did want to give a shout out to. It's not super consistent, but it has at least one masterpiece segment. Is a nineteen sixty eight anthology um, called Spirits of the Dead. Oh, I've heard that. Um, which is actually uh, features three very prominent and extremely high re highly regarded uh, foreign directors, European directors. 
In this case, it would be Roger Vadim, uh, who directed Barbarella, among other movies, mm -hmm. as well as, uh, let's see, the second segment is directed by, let's see, though, the third segment is directed, and, and it's the best one, is uh, the one that's directed by Federico Fellini, which is called Toby Dammit, and it stars Terrence Stamp, and it updates an old Toe story called Never Bet the Devil Your Head, and it's phenomenal. It's an amazing update of the story. It's atmospheric. It's basically the descent of a Hollywood actor who has allowed his uh, career to go to seed uh, due to his own um, weaknesses and addictions, but it is incredibly atmospherically shot. Uh, it is very sharp. It's a surprisingly sharp character study in just a few minutes' time. Uh, and oh, and the the other segment is by Louis Mal, uh, mm -hmm. the French director Louis Mal. Um, William Wilson. Yes, thank you. Um, which is one of Poe's best stories, but the that particular segment of the movie is a little bit. Uh, and honestly, the second one, the one that's directed by Roger Vadim, is a little bit wonky as well because Vadim at the time was married to Jane Fonda, who stars in the movie with her uh, brother Peter as uh, clandestine lovers, which is a little weird. bit wonky and weird. But um, that one, I think that the two, the, the mall and the uh, Vadim segments are interesting. The Fellini se sequence, um, for a guy that was not known to direct a lot of like harrowing and horrific things, uh, it's pretty phenomenal. If you can, I, I think it's out on DVD, and I think you can find it on Amazon Prime. Um, it's worth a look, and if nothing, make sure you catch the final segment, the Toby, the Toby Dammit sequence, sequence with uh, Terrence Stamp doing a great part and Fellini directing the hell out of it. Alright, so it looks like it's time to wrap us up and see if there's some final thing we can call today. I really love that biology just for a moment. <laughs> I fucking love them. I know, I know. You love them, Cody? I, I will. Defend most of them to the death. Oh, oh shit! But don't get me wrong. I think anthology's up there as one of my like overall favorite parts of the genre. I'm uh, again. I feel like you feel about anthologies how I feel about found footage. I, I love found footage too. That's another one I, I will defend them to my death. One day we'll do that. Well, there's episode. another format episode. Yeah, yeah I, I kind of piggybacking off of uh, off of what the eminent Mr. Masco has just said. I, I love anthologies as well, and I they're wonderful comfort food. Um, I do actually welcome the ones that have multi-directorial segments just because life's a box of chocolates, and I, I enjoy being surprised, and I'm, I'm willing to endure the, uh, the uh, kind of unspectacular nougat to get to the really awesome peanut butter filled one that's somewhere <laughs> in the world. I, I'm just, that's just how I'm hardwired. Well, I think we may have mentioned at one point, but we didn't talk in depth of, about it. Uh, the, uh, this is another one I have not seen since I was a lot younger. The Monster Club. Yes. When I was really young, oh, yeah. I loved it. And I think we, I think we talked about it passing, but I just want to throw it out there. As a Roy Ward Baker anthology. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely fucking delightful. It was just, it was just Fun. There is, there, and I, it's, silly. That was that was my my main thing in my my review that I posted for Hundred Day Tour. Fucking delightful. I posted a five star review. It's just, because it's good time. Just how much fun I had. Yeah. You know what? You know, are, are, are the segments can they be a little weak sometimes? Oh, you know, a little bit. They're silly. It's but fun. It's, it's the fun. kind of thing I get. I watched it when I was, I don't know, maybe ten or eleven years old, and it's the kind of thing that 
I got, I should rewatch it before I show this to my nephew, but I feel like I could show to my younger nephew at some point. I, I was not like, that much older yeah. when I saw it, and I would agree. Yeah. It's, it's a nice introduction. It's not too heavy. It's silly, but in the kind of silly that kids like. And I have a deep affection for horror films that, uh, that kids can watch. Because I was that kid, and I watched stuff that was not always appropriate to watch. Which explains a little of me. But I, but and I also, all of us, I'm sure. But I, also, I love, like, Hocus Pocuses. I love those kinds of movies. So when there's a really sweet, genuine, fun film that is geared a little bit younger, I I have nothing but love for it. Which is why I want to like scary stories more than I did. But it, it, it lacked a lightness to it. It wasn't dark enough, but it wasn't light enough. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was my problem with it. It needed to be one or the other, and it couldn't decide, so it middle of the road did, and it didn't work. And one thing on it before I close it off, Campfire Stories with Hat Charlie Day in it. I was off uh, completely. That movie was a piece of shit. So yeah. too many camp, camp stories. Yeah. Um, so we are City of Geeks. Go to com to find everything we're working on for 100 Days of Horror, other reviews we've been working on. Most everything we've put up recently has been about that, because time uh-huh. uh hopefully i have a bunch of stuff backlog that eventually i'll and finish i really am motivated to try to get my rock wing and horror thing out after that uh and we still have to do true crime things yeah. at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Some point. wrestling and horror yeah they, they come here but Dude. el santa all set mexican horror movies yeah i'm down my friend i'm down and i i got a collection yes. So I get only one, one anyway this episode, I think. Uh, so, who are you? I am Tony, bidding you farewell. <laughs> who are you? I'm Kim. Where can we find you, Kim? <laughs> Where can we find me? Oh, yeah. oh, you can find me on the Twitters at Seattle Screams, or you can find me on Instagrams at, oh shit, I don't even know anymore. That's somewhere. It's Kim Dowdard or something like that. Cody? You can find me, Cody. At twitter.com <laughs> at City of Geek Cody. Somebody please follow me. I follow you. I've only got 14 fucking followers. I have more followers than you, bitch. You got a thousand. I got over a thousand. Jealous. Holy shit. I cultivate this shit, bitches. And, uh, and I am Bob, and I do my only Twitter handle I still use is like, yes, City of Geeks. Uh, but oh. you can find us at cityofgeek.com. Go on there, describe to us on YouTube, uh, on YouTube, on and on iTunes, and everywhere else that you can find uh, your local Sam Goody. Uh, <laughs> 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 All right, so thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next time. We talk about uh, Midsummer and Full Core with Jennifer Lovely. Thank you, there's a there's going to be another lady on the podcast. Kim is excited. Yay! Not that I don't love y'all, but Kim is excited. All right, see you guys next time. <laughs>